Bienvenidos y bienvenidas a Puentes para la Misión. Welcome to Bridges for Mission. Bienvenue au Pont pour la Mission. Well, hello everyone from everywhere. Um, we are here at Bridges for Mission, and we have wonderful guests with us today, Dr. Anita and Dr. Rick Gutierrez, and you'll hear more about them as they introduce themselves. But first, acknowledgement that uh, we are so thankful to all of you listeners catching us, following us from Nepal, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Denmark, um, Thailand, wherever you are, we are really grateful for your following. Do um, try to let us know what you'd like to hear more of and maybe even have some guests back. Um, so you can reach us at volunteers at internationalministries.org. Um, so today, um, we have the Gutierrez with us. How lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Good morning, Nicole, Sandra, and all our listeners out there. Good morning. And yes, wonderful, wonderful. So let's just dive in. Tell us more about your ministry in South Africa. So yes, listeners, they are based in South Africa, but uh, we will let them introduce themselves and tell, tell us about your ministry, what took you to South Africa, just, you know, let's say hello. Okay. Well, hello. We have served in South Africa since 2002. Uh, Rick and I were our, our family physicians, and we were in private practice, and we heard God calling us at the mission conference at, at Green Lake, Wisconsin. And so we went to South Africa, and um, we were partnered with Baptists in Durban. And so that's where we've been based. And there we have been partnering with churches that have been addressing health problems in their communities. And they're, in South Africa, they have a lot of chronic diseases like we're so familiar with in the United States. And they also have high levels of HIV. You know, I think 20% of the general population in South Africa has HIV, and it's even higher in KwaZulu-Natal. And in communities, it, it can be that we're working in, especially poor ones around urban areas, it can be as high as 30%. So it's, it's, a, it's a real issue there. So we've been training communities to address problems such as high blood pressure, diabetes, um, and of course, HIV and obesity. Obesity is also very prevalent. Um, the obesity among women is, is, is what it is in the United States. So, and we do this in a holistic way, you know, addressing mind, body, spirit, and um, in the last year, we've done more with COVID because there's been lockdowns. And of course, that's been what's, uh, what people have needed. So that really is our, our general ministry in 
South Africa. And, and also what we're going to talk about a lot today is the chickens and the gardening. So with the with this poultry ministry, what was the initial spark um, that got you started? Well, it, it was probably, I would say, 15 years ago, and we were doing our health training, and we wanted to in, engage local communities, and we were out in rural Zululand, and um, there were a, a pair of twins that were in the health builder program. And so we really talked to them and also other health builders about you know, how to meet the needs of the community and how to engage people in these community meetings where people could learn about their health and, and these meetings that were um, dealing with the needs of the whole person, mind, body, spirit. And so um, we talked about gardening you know, because we brainstormed a lot of things of what would be maybe even because we because we knew that besides health, income was a huge concern. That's something that they would voice at the times of, of prayer. And so, you know, we we talked about seeds and, and they thought that was a good idea. And then we just mentioned chickens and they were like, oh, yeah, chickens would be easy. <laughs> you know, it would be easy to do the the chickens as an income generating project, you know, because with all the other ideas, it was like, well, this won't work, or I've seen that not work. So, so that's really what kicked it off was that moment where, where these women were telling us, yes, this is a good one. And so that's when we started with our project. And in fact, what we did then we just went out and, and we need to we just bought chickens from the local people. That was our little teeny start. <laughs> and they're probably wondering, you know, and the, the chickens were really scrawny, you know, and because um, often they're not very well cared for, you know, they're just left to run and the, the babies, um, you know, have like a 90% mortality rate because the, they don't brood them and they, they let them, the mother hen you know, brood them. And often she can't protect them because she doesn't have a house, you know, she doesn't have any place to stay. And so anyway, that was the, the beginning of the, the chicken ministry. And good morning. This is Rick Gutierrez. And thank you, dear, for your opening. So what has led us into gardening and poultry? We started working with people at the very beginning on health and training people to do health work. And that's what we did from the start of our mission. We equipped and trained people to do practical health work, screening for common diseases, and equipping them to work in rural and urban areas. And this was pretty pioneering at the time, but eventually it became more widespread and acceptable in the country. And so we had a good role in that. Most of the people we worked with are very poor uh, people who might have a job temporarily for a month or two and then be unemployed for six months. The unemployment rate in South Africa currently is 32.6%. That's the formal number for unemployment. But I would say it's higher among young people. It's over 50%. And mostly we're working with young people, say in their 20s and 30s on average. So we wanted to find ways of helping the people who we were working with 
to improve their practical lives. And what we found was that the older generation, say people over 60 who are still living, knew a lot about gardening, but the younger people didn't really know about gardening. And also the younger people weren't really often involved with poultry, but we realized that both gardening and poultry were a beginning step as far as being able to have a successful small farm or to create a small business in which you might be able to generate an income of say $200 a month, which would be equivalent to an entry level job that you would work full time. However, it wouldn't take as much time, of course, to do your gardening and, and chicken operation. So talking a little bit more about the gardening first, we started with vegetable gardening and there's a program you may have heard of in Africa called Farming God's Way. And it's a very good program. And it's, it shows people how to garden practically where they live, how to plant three different crops with the different seasons of the year, how to improve the soils, how to use compost, how to mulch properly. And these things save water. And eventually by improving the soils, you can grow a lot better vegetables. So we started training people at that. But even further back, we got started with chickens and quail. And the kind of chickens that most people raise in South Africa are the standard, what's called a broiler chicken. You might be aware of these chickens from when they hatch to when they are harvested is seven weeks or 42 days. Or that, I guess seven weeks would be 49 days, six to seven weeks, 42 to 49 days. These birds are grown for meat and they're actually kind of sickly birds. And we just knew that we didn't want to get into broilers, which were kind of the dominant bird, but rather we wanted to get into the niche bird of a layer chicken. And if you know anything about chickens, there's the broiler chicken, which is grown for meat, which gets large, it grows fast. It requires a lot of feed. It's sickly. A lot of them die as chicks. And at the end of six or seven weeks, unless you have a very good market and you can unload those birds almost immediately, there's a great chance for you to lose money, either through birds getting sick and dying, or you feel like you have to sell low because you've got a bunch of birds and you have to push them and you don't want to buy more feed. So there's a lot of risks with the broiler strategy. Plus the market is huge. They so are competing with a lot of people. We settled upon a kind of chicken called potch kukuk, and kukuk means striped, I think, in Dutch, and potch is the name of a city in South Africa. This was a bird, if you're familiar with chickens, it looks a lot like the Plymouth Barred Rock. It's a pretty striped bird. It's, it's, the males are gray and white striped, and the females are black and white striped, and they're just beautiful birds. They have yellow legs. They're friendly. They act like pets. Um, they're just the greatest bird. And potch cuckoos do really well. They don't die very easily. They hatch well. The hens are able to raise their chicks well. Just to explain the system that we use, we start by incubating, say, 300 eggs at a time, 300 quail eggs or 300 chicken eggs. They hatch. The quail hatches at 16 days. Chickens hatch at 21 days. Then we brood those chickens or quail 
for anywhere from four to six weeks in our own operation, growing them up so that they'll be big enough to live out at people's houses. Then we distribute these birds to our partners that we're working with. And this is a partnership because the men and women that we're working with are helping us train other people in our mission or providing services in kind to help us with our training operations. And so we are helping them with a livelihood by getting them set up with chickens. We build domes, geodesic domes, sort of like the playground structure, if you can picture those things. And we put covers on them. And those are good housing for chickens and quail. We provide feed. And we usually give anywhere between 20 and 40 birds at a time to each person that we equip. Half of those will be males, half will be females. The goal is to have a flock of, say, a dozen to 20 hens, and then you cull down the roosters till you have about four or five roosters. And with those birds, if people are successful to get egg laying, which usually takes about five months for a layer chicken, but only takes six weeks for a quail, if they're successful with getting their birds healthy enough and they can lay eggs, the next thing we do is we provide them with incubators that we build so that they will be able to incubate their own eggs, which they collect from their hens, which are hatching. So now they have the means to collect eggs, to incubate eggs, and now they can create a cycle where they hatch, incubate, brood, grow chicks, and they can grow out birds to any age for sale. And they can start marketing these birds and they're highly desirable. We get crowds of people that are interested in buying these birds and we only will equip people. We limit location wise. We don't want five people on top of each other with birds. So we spread out the people we work with so they won't be competing too much with each other. And with each step along the way, as a person succeeds with part of their operation, we equip them more. And I would say about half of people that we train can succeed. The other half, for whatever reason, are not long-term successful, meaning six months, a year, two years. I consider success if you go two years and you're still doing birds and you're selling and you have a market and you're able to buy your own feed and your birds are healthy, then you're a success. About half the people are successful. And we hope to improve those numbers over time. That's quite the operation, which is really remarkable from that little spark, from that little spark that Anita shared with us to you, Rick, really um, describing the whole process. Um, and, you know, success, the piece that for me that came to mind is really casting the net wide and wider than you had thought. So can you tell us when tell, share with the listeners, how do you find that the ministry and the outreach has changed through that economic slant that you're, you're, you're really, it, as we listen to you and, and all, we really feel like it's feeding the villages um, and the residents around, but better. So attending to the health issues that you had mentioned you know, that um, we started and being concerned with all the health disparities, but now that economic slant with it, with the, the chicken and the, uh, and the quail. So have you noticed um, a difference in the ministry outreach? Dear, I would like you to start with this one and then I'll add on. 
many of the people that we work with are very poor. You know, they don't have a lot of time to volunteer. You know, their lives, they're, they're on the edge. You know, they're really on the edge of survival. So we found that helping the people that are getting involved and we progressively give them more things to build their own business, then we find they're able to minister to the community. They have something that they can give. And so, and it's, if, if we would give them money, and especially for the women, you know, a lot of times the family will find some need for that money and it might not be investing it into a business. It might be that she has a, a partner that is taking the money and, and going and drinking. Sometimes that happens. So by this, we, we are investing and, and it's exciting to see for us. One of the most exciting things is when we see someone that, you know, we, they've gone through the program and we haven't seen them for a, a few years, maybe, you know, we've been in another area and we come back and when we can see that, oh, they're, you know, they've got the little chicks and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we just drop by and then to see that they've got the chicks in the bin with nicely covered and warm and, and uh, that the business is going and growing, that's, that's exciting. And to hear the way they're ministering to their community. So, so I think it's just really in, important that we are addressing those needs. And, and like I said, the most exciting thing is when we see those businesses carrying on. I would like to add to this. Thank you, dear, that by working with birds, everybody loves birds, just like everyone loves a sunset. Birds bring pleasure to people and they just, they knock barriers down. When you're moving birds around, everyone's interested in them. And it gives us a different perspective in the eyes of people. They see us as providing more than just health services. And I think it gives us a lot of goodwill with different communities. And that's one of the biggest nice things about birds. It also makes people less suspicious of a foreign person living and working in their country when they're doing different kinds of things, um, that we don't have a big agenda that we're there to benefit them. And we show it over time. We're also able to provide gifts of birds to people sometimes, or provide quail to a feast or something special where it's a nice cultural exchange of birds. Economically also, we have, again, provided somebody with an entry level kind of salary and they don't have to leave home. They don't have to pay to get to their workplace. So it really does help people, but the people have to have the wherewithal to buy food, to market birds. They have to have good judgment and decision-making, and they have to have discipline. I do have to say that I absolutely love this. Um, I grew up with chickens, and I completely understand when you say that birds just do something for people. They really do. Um, anytime I was stressed or upset or whatever, you know, a teenager goes through, I could just go out to the chickens and life just was better. Um, I would, I love my job, but I would also equally love just farming chickens as well. And just being with chickens all day. Um, but so in addition to um, what you've um, talked about the impact has been from gardening and the poultry ministries. Has there been anything else that you've been able to address um, because of these relationships and partnerships? 
Yes, uh, especially with COVID, uh, we had limited time that we could meet with people and we needed to meet with people socially distanced. And, and so our partnerships with our health builders and the churches um, made it possible to do COVID education as well as hand out pulse oxes. Um, and because we had that network established, the pulse ox and COVID is important tool because it can detect when people's oxygen level is dropping, but they're still feeling good. So a lot of times people would miss seeking care because they could not feel the, the seriousness of their condition, but the pulse ox would detect that. The other thing the pulse ox can do is that um, if you're doing okay, it's a reassuring thing. So if you have, say, a, you know, an elderly relative and you're worried because they're sick and it's COVID time, COVID wave, if you know that their pulse ox is 98%, you know, you can sleep through the night. You know, you don't have to rush in. But otherwise, it, it can be quite nerve wracking. So it's a very good assessment in COVID. And so what we were, able, what we were able to do is go to our different health builders, to the networks we had established there, and then as well as to our Baptist churches. And um, we were, they organized the groups, they set them up so that they, the chairs are all socially distanced. And, and they were, those meetings were very well attended. And, um, and we were able to go to, we even went to Cape Town and we also went to the Eastern Cape. And in the Eastern Cape, uh, the pastor there organized about um, tw maybe 20 pastors. And so we did the presentation there. And then we gave them the training materials, the videos that we had made, because we make animated videos translate them into different languages, but we had made a COVID video and a pulse ox video. And so we gave it to the pastor and he organized another training program. And, and these are, um, besides the 20, these were 30 more pastors from the Eastern Cape that's very poor. And he trained them using our videos and passed out one to each church. Just so we, we passed these pulse oxes out and tell people that you, if you know of someone who's sick, pass on the pulse ox and the information to them, to the family. So, so anyway, that was really exciting, that partnership. And also we're gonna be able to build on those, you know, all the, the those partnerships and those, those, you know, the success that we had with the COVID and pulse ox distribution. And as we go in, to this coming year, we want to work on high blood pressure and to, to go through those networks again and, and do a similar thing, just longer and more about lifestyle. So, so yes, local partnerships are everything. And we also want to partner too with, with other, like, you know, we've, we've reached out to, to, you know, Muslims and, and so this is also applicable to, you know, other, you know, spiritual organizations 
and so that they can also address health needs. So if you, if we have um, listeners interested in maybe volunteering for two weeks, three weeks, a month, um, do you welcome volunteers to come along and uh, be part of that health education and economic development through the poultry and quails as well as the, the outreach? Or is are you only working with local partnerships within South Africa? We're mostly working with local partnerships and also existing relationships that we have over a long time because we have had people supporting our mission for 20 years. So we pretty much already have kind of a network of people who come from the churches that we're already involved with. But, you know, you can always, you know, um, you can always mention something to us. I would like to direct people to an excellent organization in the United States called Educational Concerns for Hunger Organization, or ECHO as an acronym. It's located in North Fort Myers, Florida. And this would be an excellent place to go for training and the types of things that we're doing for economic impact. And this is just fantastic. We've been, we've spent probably a month or a month and a half of our life at Echo and it helped us quite a bit. And they distribute seeds, all kinds of things. And the other thing I want to mention is that adding on to the chickens, we have a big vision for fruit trees and grafting fruit trees, air layering fruit trees. Our vision is to have now just besides birds, chickens, gardens, for people to have a fruit tree nursery where they can sell trees and have domes for chickens, quail, fruit trees, nursery, and vegetable seedlings. So we will, you know, be always open for people to make inquiries to us and make partnerships where that's reasonable or help with techniques if people are interested in what we've done, if it might work in their area. Thank you so very much. I know we've been um, so enriched by this conversation. Um, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Anita, for joining us at Bridges for Mission. And as you've heard, listeners, ECHO in Florida is an organization to, um, to do some research and, um, and continue on. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll, we'll have you in part two later on in the spring, but um, it was a delight. So Listeners, Nepal, Zimbabwe, Hungary, Denmark, we say thank you for following us. Thank you. Siabonga Gakulu. Kusun And God bless all of our listeners. And we hope you experience the joy of chickens, fruit trees, and gardens in your life, and that you would be enriched by them and live long and healthy. We thank you for listening to Bridges for Mission. You can find more information about the short-term mission office at internationalministries.org. Also, don't forget to get a hold of the new leader's guide entitled Short-Term Mission Team Essentials Together on the Journey. Uh, you can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, and that we are so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for all the subscribers and from listening from all continents. Thank you and have a good one.